Welcome back to Leatherheads Footy. My name is Morgan, and what a start to the season we've had. Game two, Geelong against Collingwood, and it was a cracker. I really, really enjoyed this game. I think it was even better than last night's game between Richmond and Carlton. But the Richmond-Carlton game, I thought we're watching two teams that are definitely going to play in the top eight and could contend for a final, uh, like top four grand final sort of thing. But this game, I thought, was just elite skills on display and two teams that will be playing in the top four if um, injuries permit. I'll get to injuries because there were a couple of bad ones in this game. Basically, uh, the score, I'm sure you probably know by now, Collingwood end up winning by 22 points, but I want to just break down how I saw the game and how the stats reflect what actually happened. Um, the way I'm going to be doing these breakdowns now is breaking the down, game down into three uh, aspects, which is in the contest, in transition, and then inside 50. I think that's a good way to look at the games because sometimes the way the stats are presented are a little bit confusing, um, whereas this you can really break down exactly where a team won or lost and where they need to work on. So in this particular game, starting in the contest, um, it was fairly even. Contested possessions, I'll show here if I can. Yeah, so contested possessions were relatively even. Um, Collingwood just winning contested possessions, but not by very much. And then tackles, Collingwood were a fair, well, like not too much, 52 to 54, but Collingwood did win the tackles and the majority of those tackles do happen inside the contest. And I think as a result, because contested possession was fairly even, I think that tackling advantage led to the clearance advantage for Collingwood. So they won clearances 44 to 37. But once again, that's not a massive difference. So you can see that relatively even winning the ball inside the contest, but because of better tackling from Collingwood, they were able to restrict Geelong getting to the outside. They got to the outside a little bit more with a couple more clearances. And then once the ball got to the outside and got into transition, this is where Collingwood, I think, won the game, basically. Um, once it got to the outside, we'll see for contested possessions relatively even, but then uncontested possessions, Collingwood 230 to Geelong 170. Much more uncontested possessions for the Pies. And if we look at their disposal efficiency, 77% compared to 70 So even though inside the contest was relatively even, Collingwood slight ascendancy inside the contest. Once it got to the outside, they were able to use the ball a lot better on the outside. 77 to 70% disposal efficiency. And because of this better disposal efficiency, they were able to have longer... Uh, disposal chains once they got the ball into transition and those longer disposal chains resulted in the inside 50 discrepancy which is 62 inside 50s to Collingwood 46 to Geelong so that's a fair difference um, that's about 0.7 of the inside 50s uh, going the way of the magpies now this inside 50 differential we then move into the third part of analyzing the game which is once the ball goes inside 50s you've got the 62 inside 50s to 46 in favor of the magpies um, despite this, though, the marks inside 50 were even. I think this mainly comes down to Colling um, Geelong just having a higher calibre of forwards with Tom Hawkins, Jeremy Cameron, and then even their smalls, Gary Rowan took a big pack mark, even their smalls just look like they're more established in the forward line and they're a little bit better kicking inside 50. They know where to lead with those big guys setting the tone, but then they're very good at finding a little kick to Myers or Stengel or Close, whoever it ends up being, or even Rowan, um, but probably a little bit more rarely. Is it Rowan? So even marks inside 50, and shots at goal were 26 to 32. It doesn't actually say this here, but you can work it out from the efficiency inside 50. 
So despite having quite a lot more inside 50s, um, Geelong only had a little bit less, uh, Collingwood only had a little bit more shots at goal. And then when we look at the accuracy kicking at goal, Collingwood kicked 19 goals 11 and Geelong 16 7. And at one point it was 12 goals 1 to Geelong. That's why they actually led for the majority of the game. Even though Collingwood had ascendancy in the game, they just weren't quite converting. Even though they were actually converting well, they were converting above average for an AFL game, Geelong was converting off the charts. So they were able to stay in front of the game despite actually being beaten in all other aspects, basically. Uh, So I think in that respect, the scoreboard flatters Geelong a little bit. If they were to convert at the same rate as Collingwood did, then the score would have been 91 to 125. And that would, I think, reflect it a little bit more. At the start of the game, the game was played majority of, of the time, the majority of the time inside Collingwood's forward 50. I think I thought they really brought the pressure and it was just on the rare occasion that Geelong were able to get out the back of that defensive press. And maybe because the all of the numbers were in Collingwood's forward 50, they got out the back and they were able to score on the rare occasions that they did and they were able to kick accurately. So they stayed in the game and on the scoreboard, they looked really competitive. Um, but Collingwood had ascendancy with field position. And then as the game wore on, um, you started to see the defensive structures break down a little bit more. And then that's when Collingwood's ball movement was actually able to expose the Magpies, uh, able to expose the Cats. They were spread the field really well, as they've done to a few teams. They did that really well to the Demons and exposed their defence. They were able to spread the field, get out and around with their counter-attack, around the Geelong defence and out the back. And you saw them a lot more open space and a lot more open inside 50s towards the end of the third and in the fourth quarter where they kicked away in the game. I think that's that's sort of how they kicked those last couple of goals in the game was the defensive structure of the Cats was starting to break down. Now, I'll get to a little bit why, because there are a few crucial injuries. Tom Stewart went down in the first quarter. He's I think he's um, Geelong's best player and most of uh, important defensive player. He's their best defender. He's, I think, his best defender in the competition. He sets them up really well. Not only does he defend, he intercepts and he offers really good rebound with his really good kicking. He's a good decision maker. He's very solid in the contest, in the air, on the ground. He's an awesome player. He went down the first quarter, so that's a massive hole in Geelong's defence already. Then Tom DeConning, um, or Sam DeConning, he hobbled. I don't know what happened. It was a kick in for the Cats. He was just running backwards and seemed to roll his ankle. So he was limping. Tom Hawkins looked like he strained his calf, which I think was the reason why he was in doubt to come into the game in the first place. So he was a little bit hobbled. And then in the third quarter, Jeremy Howe, he looked like he had a horrible broken arm. Went up for a big spoil, not one of his typical marks. Went up for a big spoil over Tyson Stengel and then landed on his outstretched arm. Was going to land on his head, basically. Tried to brace his fall and it looked like like his elbows bent inwards. Horrible, horrible injury. Apparently, there was bone coming out of the skin. Um, and the, I think, yeah, credit to them. The broadcasters didn't show a replay of the injury because I think it would have been pretty graphic. You could just see the way he reacted, how awkward the fall was, the way his teammates reacted, that it was a really bad injury. So I think he's out for the season. And Tom Stewart, he came back out from the rooms after his injury. He was wearing a knee brace and he was moving very, very gingerly. So I think he could be out for, you know, eight to 10 weeks potentially. looks like, uh, I don't know, one of those pretty bad tears um, in like your PCL or something in your knee. So that that's what I'm expecting. 
after those injuries, the subs were activated. So Brandon Parfit came into the game for the Cats when Tom Stewart, like, I think they were making sure that he was out of the game, certainly. And um, Parfit came in maybe in the second quarter, late-ish in the second quarter, didn't really have much of an impact. Um, around the, played around the middle of the ground because that's, and maybe a little bit of half forward, that's all he can really play. He's very much an inside player. And when Howe went down, Reef McGuinness came into the game and he actually had a really good impact in the forward 50, kicked two goals and had another shot that hit the um, post. I think, he, yeah, he, like it wasn't it wasn't like a three-goal performance. One of the goals, I think Majacek or someone was standing directly behind him and also could have marked it. So a little bit fortunate, but to come on and perform like that, it would give him great confidence and um, maybe he's next in line, although obviously he plays forward. He's sort of a pseudo full forward and with Jamie Elliott and Ginevan coming back into the team, Bobby Hill played really well. I'll get to him soon. I don't know if he breaks into the best 22. I think Billy Frampton probably comes in. Uh, for the Magpies in replace of Howe. Billy Frampton probably locks down similar-ish role, but he might play on slightly taller opponent. Maybe Darcy Moore gets freed up a little bit to do a bit more intercepting. And then you've got Nathan Murphy will probably move into maybe a little bit more of a freed-up role as well. So those those were the injuries. Tyson Stengel also hobbled a little bit, but he came back on. Sam DeConning played out the game. So I think... Those two should be right to go for next week, but Stewart and Howe definitely won't be playing next week. A few new guys for both teams. Um, one of my personal favourites, Tanner Bruin, played for the Cats. I thought he was really impressive inside the stoppage. Just looks to have really good stoppage now. Um, wins the footy, is clever, knows how to get from the inside to the outside and kick. Um, so he gets a few inside 50s and centre clearances. He's a really strong tackler. I think he's a clever player. Only played like 65% of the time on ground, which wasn't great fantasy. I'm not sure why. A lot of the Cats guys, like Dangerfield, only played 65%, but Bruin is like a 21-year-old. I, I would think you would play him the majority of the minutes. And I thought he was he had a big impact and had a bigger impact than some of the other Geelong mids. So hopefully he gets more of an opportunity, but I thought he was really, really impressive. The other one was Ollie Henry. Um, came across from the Magpies, ironically, and playing his first game for the Cats. He was also impressive. Um, in a forward line that's pretty stacked, he didn't look out of place. He took a few contested marks, including he took a really big mark defensively in the last quarter, which I thought was impressive. Uh, and I think, yeah, he's, he's a very mercurial impact player, but I think he's starting to build his consistency at AFL level and looks like he's going to be a really good really good player for a long time. He's a first-round draft pick, though. I think everyone knew that he was a good player. It's just whether he can start to impact games consistently and probably his, he, he can impact in the air he's a really that's his his skill is he's he's a really good mark um similar to his brother he's got a really good leap and he's a fantastic contested mark especially for someone his size so he's a very awkward matchup probably his set shot kicking finishing uh, on goal is the one thing that he needs to tidy up and then for the pies we had three new inclusions like a fair bit talked about them over the trade period, but Tom Mitchell came in. He was really good. He had 11 clearances, not that many disposals, 20-odd touches, but Collingwood rotate like one guy through half forward, and he managed to sneak forward and kick two goals. One of them was a quick clearance, and he found space, took the mark like 40 out and kicked a good set shot, and the other one was a stoppage or like a drop ball. He got front and center like 25 meters out and snapped another good goal. I think that's what you can expect from the Collingwood midfielders rotating through half forward is that they'll kick a few goals each game. 
And the other guy was Bobby Hill, who was really, really impressive. He looks like he's fit and he looks like he's loving playing in this Collingwood system where they move the ball fast. His speed was electric. Uh, got out the back thinking he finished with three goals, but he just looked so dangerous. Every time the ball got out the back, he was taking them on. I like that he, he ha- has a good step and he'll take on his opponent. He'll take on the man on the mark. Um, and his kicking inside 50 was also pretty good. But another fantastic addition. Will be interesting to see how they squeeze in all of these small forwards when Ginevan comes back from his suspension. A uh, few, uh, another guy I wanted to touch on was Asaba Radagalia, who was pushed back into defence. He started in defence before Stewart went down or before the injury to De Conning. Uh, so that looks like a permanent positional switch. I thought he was pretty good. He impacted in the air, didn't really impact at ground level and gave away a few free kicks. So statistically, it didn't look like a big game, but he had a couple of big moments and I think he'll settle down there. It would be tough playing against the Magpies. Um, a team that moves the ball slower, I think he'll potentially have more opportunity and take a few more intercept marks. For the Cats, I think it was their usual suspects, basically, with the exception of Tanner Bruin and Holmes, who both had good games as younger guys developing. Um, Holmes, his pace is really noticeable, and you can see him being a really damaging midfielder. And he kicked, he got a handball received for 55 out and kicked an awesome goal from 55, which showed an area of his game that I hadn't seen before with that long, powerful kick but definitely his pace, his ability to get to ground balls first and burst out of a stoppage is very impressive and Bruin I'd already touched on. But apart from that, uh, it was Dangerfield, uh, Isaac Smith, Hawkins and Jeremy Cameron who were the guys doing all the damage. And a little bit concerning because those guys won't be around forever and now you're starting to see more regular injuries as they get into their 30s, but still a really good team performance as it always is from the Cats. For the Magpies, I was writing out my list of everyone I thought played well I've written down 12 names, so it shows how good of a performance this is from Collingwood. I was super impressed. I, like, I, It would be hard to play much better than that, and against reigning premiers in round one, despite the game almost getting away from them at times, I think at, twice in the game, the Cats had like a 20-point lead, and Collingwood just stayed calm, um, stuck to their system, and just overran them towards the end of the game. They did that a lot last year and shows no signs of stopping, uh, slowing down. If anything, they've just shored up their contested footy and their clearance game. They'll get more inside 50s and be able to play the game more in their forward half, whereas last year they were scoring a lot from intercepts and rebounding fast, but this showed a, a new way that they can play if they can win heaps of the footy and just lock it inside 50 and score from that and restrict teams from even getting it inside their defensive 50. So I thought Bo McCreary was really good for the Magpies. He's another guy with electric pace, and he loves to tackle. He, his main thing is defensive pressure. That's what he brings. But heard a few of the Collingwood staff talking about they've only just scratched the surface for him, and he can bring a lot more attacking flair to his game. But I thought he was really impressive. Um, Josh Dacos on the wing was excellent with his kicking. I think Hurdy had 22 disposals at like 95% efficiency, which... Show, yeah, I guess adds to how good Collingwood were on the outside. Side bottom on the other wing as well, but Josh Dacos was a standout, particularly his class in traffic. Nick Dacos was sensational. So many little touches. He's so quick you almost don't notice him sometimes, but fantastic and hits some really, really impressive kicks. Just makes a decision so quickly and can get the ball over the defense, out the back, and lead to plenty of scores for the Magpies. 
Pendles just keeps getting it done. I love him. He's my favourite of all time. Uh, I think he's he's just fantastic, and he he could have been best on ground uh, tonight. Just pure class. Maybe the captaincy's relieved a little bit of weight off his shoulders. Don't know why I use that expression. It's a bit of a cliche, but he is as good as he's ever been. Looks like, um, even though he, he hasn't, he might have lost a little bit of pace. He never really relied on that. It was always his smarts and his um, composure, his awareness of what's around him. And then Jordan Ngoi bursting out of the midfield. The Collingwood midfield is very even, but Ngoi's got that element where he can really push forward, kick a long goal. He finished with three goals, and I think he probably is best on ground. In the um, Brownlow votes, I've given three votes to Dugowie, two to Pendles, and one to Nick Dacos of halfback. Um, that's pretty much it. I think, yeah, I've touched on Tom Mitchell on the inside. Jack Crisp just did what he always did, and I thought um, Darcy Cameron was pretty combative in the ruck. Mason Cox also had, had two. Like, he took one huge contested mark, kicked the set shot, and then he took another contested mark in the pocket, and kicked a banana. I've never seen him kick a banana before, so I was very nervous for him when I saw him holding the ball like that, um, but it was great to see. Uh, other than that, just really, really enjoyed the game. Fantastic second match of the year, and I, I think it bodes really well for Collingwood. Any worries that they're going to drop off uh, because they won too many? I never understood that argument, firstly. Oh, they, they won so many close games last year just law of averages, they're not going to win those games. That's not how it works. So much changes season to season. It was a first year coaching the team for McRae. They're going to get better, natural improvement, learning the game style. They brought in recruits. It just doesn't make sense. Like, that reasoning doesn't make sense. The Like, you're basically saying, oh, they won, like, what is it, 10 of the 12 close games last year. So this year, it's going to be exactly the same. They're going to play the same amount of close games with the same win-loss outside of those, and then they're just going to average out more losses from those exact same amount of close games and drop because of that. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. you got to look at them as a whole team. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Just It made me frustrated, basically. They're clearly a really good team, and they're clearly going to get better in their second year under McRae. So I think that has to be said. With the Cats, I think... Take nothing away from them. It was a really good performance, and basically everything was going wrong with injuries. Hawkins was hobbled early. He was not at 100% fitness, and then Stewart goes down. DeConning looks unstable. They're still missing Mitch Duncan. So, yeah, I think they'll build into the year. And it, But to even be in this game when they were playing against such a good opposition is just credit to them and how good high-quality players they have that can stand up in the big moments, like Dangerfield, Hawkins, Cameron. They've got these guys that just know when they need to deliver. They're going to miss Selwood, though. It has to be said, they're going to miss him. He's probably the greatest AFL captain of all time, or definitely in that conversation. So they will miss him. think, yeah, definitely still finals. They, they also played an incredible brand of footy for the first half, at least, and then started to break down a little bit towards the end. Um, but, yeah, first three quarters... They were sensational. These these are two elite, elite teams in the competition. But for me, Magpies were the most impressive and even more impressive than this scoreboard suggests. Thanks for, for listening. I will see you next time.